Hey, y'all, it's Jay. Before we get started today with Mike Hambright from FlipNerd.com, we talk about, Mike and I talk a lot about masterminds and how I host one, how he hosts one. So if you don't know, this is kind of what I want to do in the intro here is you may or may not know that I host a mastermind for investors of all niches and experience levels. Now, currently at the time of this recording, I'm running three different weekly sessions and all of those sessions are currently full. But if you're interested in all and being virtually surrounded with like-minded people for a few hours each week, I am looking to open up a fourth session uh, during the week. And here's the next step for you. So go to w2capitalist.com forward slash quiz and take the test. It takes about five minutes to complete the quiz. And if your score lands within a certain range that I'm looking for, and depending on how you answer a few of the, the questions, then I'll follow up with you I'll follow up with you on the next steps. All right? So that's it. So while you're listening to this episode, head over to w2capitalist.com slash quiz, and let's get to it. are a W-2 capitalist. You are addressing the gap between your successful, fulfilling W-2 job and building wealth for your family through real estate investing. You are ready to earn, invest, repeat. Welcome to the W-2 Capitalist Podcast. Now, let's get to work. Here's your host, Jay Helms. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Jay Helms, and I'm the founder of this podcast and movement known as the W2 Capitalist. Today, I am joined by Mr. Mike Hambright, the flipping nerd. Mike is a veteran real estate investing entrepreneur that has rehabbed and wholesaled close to 400,000, 400,000, 400 houses. 400,000 would be freaking amazing. I don't think you and I'd be talking right now if you had 400,000 transactions under your belt, right? Uh, has built a rental portfolio consuming of single family properties and an ownership stake in over 35 million of multifamily investments. In addition to his extensive investing experience, he is the founder of flipnerd.com and has produced over 1500 video podcasts with millions of views and downloads. I will link to that in the show notes so you can take a look at that. But Mike has coached hundreds of real estate investors directly, thousands indirectly, and is a sought after advisor to many of America's top real estate investors through his Investor Fuel Real Estate Mastermind, which is why I want to talk to him today, a leading organization of over 100 of the nation's leading investors. Additionally, Mike is the co-founder of Investor Machine, a cutting-edge, dating-driven lead generation agency for real estate investors, which we're going to talk in today because we were talking before we hit the record button about deal flow and how, how is the biggest problem for most investors. But Mike is also a husband to Lindsay and father to Jake. Mike. Welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, buddy. That was a mouthful. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I want to make sure that when, when folks come on the show or folks listening to the show or watching the show, if you're watching on YouTube, is that um, you have experience, right? I just didn't pick you out of a crowd. I mean, I, I think it's, I tried to get, get after you. It took me a while to get you here, right? But we're here, right? <laughs> and for all those reasons, if you're not watching, if you're just listening, when I we joined here, we talked for maybe 20 minutes before I hit the record button, which is abnormally long um, for this kind of thing. And I noticed in the background, Mike's got a couple of awards on his wall that I'm like, Oh, that I'm going for one of those. We need to talk. And he's, he's been extremely gracious with his time and knowledge already. So yeah, 
I, it's it's truly uh, an honor to have you here for everything that you. Hey, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. I know we've been trying for a while. I think it, your 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 show slots were like so early. I was like, you know, <laughs> I'm not yeah. a, I'm not a, I'm not in the W two world anymore. So I like I, you know I roll into the office about ten a.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that that changed that uh, availability time slot changed on May first when I went uh, when I got kicked out of the W two world myself due to COVID. So you're right though. Before then. The only time I recorded podcasts, and, and I'm severely thankful for the people who join me, was is somewhere between 5 and 7 a.m. Yeah, times. I remember so, seeing yeah. that. I was like, uh, I think your calendar is wrong. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I get no. that a lot. I get that I'm a lot. Like, okay, like, well. Now, if you want to be on, <laughs> come on here. So, uh, but yeah, definitely loosen those up. And, and like you, yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of the Miracle Morning concept. Yep. Um, and having a W-2 and trying to invest in real estate, it was – Pertinent, it was imperative that I got up before the rest of the house, right? Because otherwise, I wouldn't get anything done. I wouldn't get anything done. I'd go to work and then I'd come back after work, be just exhausted, not really wanting to do anything else, but lay on the floor and let the kids jump on me and all this good stuff. And um, so I had to find those couple of hours a day where I could focus on real estate. And it was definitely between five and 7 a.m. So yeah. now that I've transitioned to that, I'm getting closer to you, right? I don't sleep till 10 a.m., but I definitely sleep later. I don't and sleep. Yeah. Just to be fair, I don't sleep until 10 a.m. You you're rolling to the I office have, uh, at 10 a.m. Yeah. That's I mean, fair. I get I just kind of take my time. I get up. I have coffee with my wife. We go out and grab coffee somewhere every morning. We just have nice. kind of a routine, you know? And so, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I've, uh, you know, matter of fact, there, there's a lot of people in the Facebook group who have called me out. Hey, where are the five o'clock? 5 a.m. roll calls, you know, that I used to do and stuff like that. I was like, oh, I'm not up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like um, you and I have something in common. We transitioned out of the W-2 world, right, from being an employee to running our own businesses or, you know, real estate investing and is part of that. So yep. I want to talk a lot about that today with you you know, kind of, cause you're a little bit further down that road than I am. You definitely have, I'm, I'm, I'm really am jealous about those awards on the, on the back of your, I mean, I don't even think I said good morning to you when we jumped on the zoom call. I was like, <laughs> dude, are those click funnel awards? <laughs> I think that was the first thing that came out of my mouth. So I'm sorry about that, Mike. No, that's cool. I hope you're having a good morning. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good, buddy. Uh, but let's talk about exiting, you know, from, let's talk about your story, your backstory on how you transitioned out of being an employee for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I go back a little further than that, I, I grew up uh, in a very blue collar family, working class and developed a great work ethic there. But I, I was the, you know, I was the first person in my family to go to college and later went on to grad school. Um, but, um, I, you know, I just didn't really have a mentor. I didn't have somebody to follow to say, this is the path out of kind of the blue collar life. Right. I mean, and so, uh, there, there was enough wisdom there to know, like I should go to college to kind of recreate myself or learn a new skill. Right. And so, um, which I did. So I, I got, I got a degree in finance, uh, went into banking. I, I grew up in Illinois. So I went into, I live in Chicago and worked for a massive bank. But, you know, was there for a little while and just kind of quickly thought, is this all there is? Like, is this really what this is all about, you know? So jumped around to a couple different jobs, found my way down to Dallas, Texas area, which is where I live now. And uh, wasn't got another job here and it was a financial analyst job, kind of the same thing. It's just like, is this all there is? I, at that job, I, there were like four analysts, two managers, one director. Like I could see the next like, <laughs> 10 or 15 years of my career 
like within like 50 feet of where I sat my cubicle. Right. And I was like, ah, this is, this can't be it. Right. And, um, and then, get the cubicle with the better view is that was yeah. the next step. Right. Yeah. The bigger cubicle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, instead of eight by eight, it was 10 by 10, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, it was kind of just looking at like, is this, is this really all there is? And, and I, I uh, wanted to kind of recreate myself again. So I decided to go back to grad school. I thought I need more formal education to do that. And then I got out when I got out, it was uh, so this was two. I went into grad school. I hate to like date myself now, but went into grad school uh, 2001 and it was a two year full-time program and uh, about a month in um, not even a month. It was probably like two weeks into the program. September 11th happened and the economy just shifted. Right. So I was there for two years, but during that whole time, the economy was, was in a downturn. So when I got out, it was hard to find a job. And, um, but I eventually did. And I found a job that was honestly, I, I would have said it was my dream job in I, people were envious of my job. I was flying around on corporate jets with, cause I worked for the CEO of a $5 billion company mm. directly as a new grad school student. I mean, uh, our graduate kind of yeah. unheard of really cool yeah. stuff. And he Where'd was you go to grad me, school, by the way, uh, UT in Austin. Okay. University of Texas, Austin, okay. yeah, okay. MBA program. So, uh, and I met my wife there too. So that was one of the best things that happened there for sure. There um, and we work together side by side now. So not side by side, but well, sometimes side by side. But anyway, we work. Where together. is she? She's supposed. She not supposed to be here with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she might be like my wife, and she's completely. She's uh, yeah. My son is thirteen years old. His uh, his uh, I don't know when this is coming out, but anyway, his school is starting <laughs> this week. So we're kind of dealing with. Okay. I'm going to school, but they're, they're making it start virtually, even though we're kind of choosing to not go virtually, but they're like, you don't get a choice for the first couple of weeks here. So anyway, uh, but, um, so I had this awesome job. Like I could do anything I wanted if it made sense. And yeah. it, I had a very supportive boss and he made the decisions for a company with 35,000 employees. So, and I was kind of like his apprentice, if you will, you know, so it was cool. Um, and I worked there for about three years and then he got fired. It was like a political, <laughs> kind of a political meltdown situation. And yep. uh, I was next. So they're kind of like, hey, that, that, uh, that young kid that says whatever the hell he wants, like he's going to go too. And so that's what, that's what happened is I got, is I got fired. Like totally unexpectedly, I'm yep. going, uh, like literally at one point, he's sending me to like executive education at Ivy League schools. And I'm like flying around the, the world, literally around the world doing stuff pretty amazing to like HR is taking away my name tag, my security badge and pu pushing <laughs> a box of my shit to my car. It's just like, Holy cow, just a slap in the face. Right. Yeah. Really a blow to my ego. Cause that was like a dream job. And then I went to another company, uh, that I was there for about 18 months flying high. It was more of a startup, but it was flying really high. And then they, uh, filed for bankruptcy. Mm. And so, and at that point, my wife had left her job as a consultant. She was doing really, she was making more money than I was. My job was cooler, but I mean, she was making more <laughs> money for sure. And then my son, uh, she, we actually moved to Washington DC for this other, for this second job. So she left her job as a consultant to support me, which even though she was making good money, she hated it. I mean, mm. she, she was, uh, you know, back to the, I guess, W2 speak. Yeah. She was a consultant and she basically traveled a hundred percent. She, she would live so much. So I don't know how many people that have been in this situation. She would pack her bags and take them to work in case she had to travel that day. They only bought one way tickets everywhere they wow. went because they might have to fly somewhere else before they come back home. And so it was wow. a unique role, but it was just kind of hard, 
hard living, right? But we were yeah. young and didn't have kids at that point, so we just kind of made it work. And um, anyway, she had left her job to support me, and also because she hated it. Yeah. Then we ended up getting pregnant, and so my son was born like two months before I left this la this second job. So they filed for bankruptcy, but I left because I knew the writing was on the wall. Like, you knew hey, it was coming. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, at that point, I was like, do I go back to corporate America? We moved back to Dallas, actually, because we still had our house here. Do we, do we go back to corporate America? Or uh, at that point, I knew enough to know that I work really, really hard. I've always worked hard. Right now, it's been for other people. And I seemingly have no control over my future uh, unless I go do something myself. And that was kind of the beginning of me uh, jumping into real estate. Yeah. So at this time where you've, you're flying around the corporate jet working for these gigantic companies, right? And you're next in line to take over uh, kind of thing. You, you had never really, th have you ever thought about real estate investing or when did you, when did that kind of, you know, cause I, I can pinpoint the day cause I, I had bought and sold a few homes, but the yeah. day where, where I count as, okay, now we're active real estate investors. I feel like we know what we're doing was that was the very first foreclosure that we bought and you know we we fixed it up got a tenant in there and right then and there we caught the bug right i was like yeah. okay if i'm addicted to anything it's no longer video games it's now going to be <laughs> buying real estate right yeah. well, when did when did that hit for you like had you, have you done any that, of that i'll say uh when i left this other job i tried another i tried to start another company like an online retail company it was like an affiliate okay. business and that I probably did that for six months or so, burned through a bunch of savings, unfortunately. <laughs> One of those things where you get in six months and you're like, man, I could have done, in hindsight, I could have done this in six days, let alone six months. But, you know, I just, did, just didn't know. I didn't have that, that structure, yeah. right? And so, um, and then eventually it was like, I need to do something that's bigger because, you know, the truth is, is we, we, made, we made good money in corporate America. I couldn't really dabble. I yeah. had to. I had to get serious. So I'll say I'd always had an interest in real estate investing, but I didn't really know what that was. Like I knew some people that had rental properties gotcha, um, and that's about all I knew. And what I really knew was more of the academic version of like, Oh, you have a tenant and make money every month. Like there's obviously <laughs> a lot more drama yeah. than that. Right. But um, it was pretty academic. And honestly, when I first started, I didn't, like conceptually, I understand wholesaling. I work for several retailers and you buy it wholesale and you sell it retail. Like I get that, but I didn't really understand the model in real estate. So I, I my primary interest is in rehabbing and I had uh, dating myself once again, because when I grew up, there wasn't like flip this house and all this stuff. I mean, right. when I was young, younger, but there was yeah. a show called this old house, which was like fixing stuff up. Right. Yep, yep. So I'd always been interested in that. My dad was pretty handy with stuff, even though he never owned any rental properties and like that. Yeah. But, so there was something, there was a kernel there. Right. But, but it wasn't really a business yet. Yeah. yeah. I, what do you talk about? Uh, I saw this fun, hilarious meme yesterday. It's talking about, cause our parents, uh, we're, we're close in age and our, our parents would probably, or my dad at least said, you know, I used to walk to up, uh, uphill both ways to school right in the snow with no shoes on right and i saw one the other day about how now our generation can tell our kids that we uh <laughs> during covid that we uh we wiped our our backside in the front yard because there was no toilet paper and there was snow on the ground or something yeah. like that i was like yeah. yeah this is this is kind of the generation we're in right and our yep. our parents were not uh didn't have enough money to buy shoes and they made up this elaborate story and 
here we are with no toilet paper because <laughs> of whatever's going on. So that's um, funny. That's funny. You're not. Da- I mean, you're not that old. I, I, you keep saying you're dating yourself. I, I'm right yeah. there with you, man. I- <laughs> yeah, a couple, a couple young, just a couple young guys here. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, of course, my wife reminds me. Well, you're not that young. Um, <laughs> thanks, honey. <laughs> uh, so, so you've been through the, the corporate world, right? You, you. You uh, had an amazing job, some ma- amazing experiences. Uh, I, I picked up on a comment you mentioned earlier about HR. Uh, HR was willing your stuff out to your car, but uh, you were next on the firing list because you would say whatever you whatever was on your mind, right? And yeah. I spent a lot of time in the HR office myself. I probably doesn't shock a whole lot of people. Uh, but it's just so – like, I do not like being – and I've even loosened up more since I've left the W2 because I felt like if somebody heard the podcast and I said something that wasn't PC, right, and they were going to use that to get rid of me. Apparently, I did enough of that on my own to put me on the short list when COVID happened. And mm. uh, But it's just so funny how I no longer have what I consider a, a corporate filter. Like it went away pretty easily. And, and I was talking to my wife about this because, yeah, I've noticed you loosened up. And I'm so sorry that uh, we're all going to have to deal with that from now on. Uh, yeah. But but did you well, have the, the same experience? Is, is like, or cause Yeah, you, the truth is, is what a, what a burden to have to be worried about what you say and not be able to share your opinion. I mean, it's one thing to like yeah. not go out and offend everybody, right? But it's another yeah. thing to be like yeah. speak your mind, right? So, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like I've got a bunch of education and everything I did in corporate America was always to try to get somebody to want me to pay me. Right. It's like, I have to conform to who you want me to be to keep my job and hopefully move ahead. Yeah. And now it's like, when chances are you were just going to get a little bit bigger cubicle, right? right. Yeah. (laughs) You got to raise. Yeah. Or Uh, get get involved with some political shit myself and, you know, Hopefully, you know, somebody else, I went out over somebody else. And so, you know, it's a very yeah. different mindset now to be like, hey, I'm in a community where everybody wins. If we, we all play the yeah. game, we all work hard, we all help each other and we all win, right? There's yeah. not, there's, there doesn't have to be winners and losers. And in corporate America, there does because there's a finite number. If you're, if you're vying for the next position and there's five people vying for it, like yeah. four losers, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you, you know, talking about offending people and being careful what you say, people are so offended so easily these days. Yeah. You can say like, I can say, Hey, you're drinking a bottle of water, you know, like, and it was that'll hurt bottle. somebody's feelings. It'll hurt somebody's feelings. Cause it's not in a recyclable container or something like yeah. that, you know, and that'll be reported. Day. I'm going to put a sucker in a landfill even to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's amazing. I made this comment the other day that I think corporate America is on a downturn of, you know, we talk about our age, right? We, we, we were taught about the industrial rep revolution and all this that happened before we were born. And I feel like we're living in times now where, uh, someday our kids or maybe our grandkids are going to be taught about the corporate America revolution where corporate America really no longer exists because of there, there is no loyalty. They don't proactively reward loyalty, right? Or at least in my experience, they didn't. And you had to threaten to leave before they would ever consider to give you a financial compensation raise. Right. Um, and then, like you said, there, there's just, it's just so cutthroat. And I think, I think 
millennials, and I did a uh, episode on this not too long ago on YouTube, that I think millennials are the smartest generation out there because they kind of put their foot down as a generation said, no, we're not going to work in that environment for such small dollars. Right. And a lot of people disagree with me, but I'm like, yeah, holistically, just look at, it. I'm not talking about the millennials who are, are offended by everything and, and, you know, want everything handed to them. I'm talking about the folks who are not doing what you and I did initially. Right. Yeah. This is incredible. So. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, that's one of the things I hope to instill in my son who just turned 13 is like, there's a lot of ways to make money. You don't have to follow the traditional yeah. kind of ladder climbing path, but you do have to add value. You have to add value for people to be willing to pay you yeah. wherever you're at. Right. And so well, it's well, less about, can I trick somebody, not trick, but can I look good on paper and all this stuff like as a candidate versus can I add value and and make a respectable income from that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you and I both went to college, right? We both did some uh, graduate school work. You have an MBA. I have an MBA. We both have kids. Uh, mine are a little bit younger, but because we got started, I got started later than you did. Uh, do you push your kid to go to school, to go to college? College. I struggle with that. I, I don't, yeah. I mean, my wife, so my wife uh, has um like on resume wise, like education looks really good too. So and we've always thought education is an important part. So, I mean, I guess it's, it's formal education versus other education. Right. So, right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think I do believe that a lot of people go get BS degrees, right? Like just, it's a waste of not bachelor's of science, a bullshit yeah, degree. Yeah. No, bullshit, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I just think if you, I but at the same time, I don't think that you necessarily know what you want to do. So, I, you know, I would definitely would be supportive of him if, if he wanted to do that. If he knew like, Hey, I really want to go do this thing. Yeah. Um, we would totally be supportive of that. Um, so I don't know. We struggle with that. We're like, well, do, do we force them to go? I don't think we're going to yeah. force them. Um, yeah, we, we, uh, we recently were trying to, we're not wrap, wrapping up. We're kind of in the middle of hiring a, uh, certified financial planner. In my mind, we've already hired him. Uh, basically we're talking about taking on a, a whole life insurance policy. It's one of those bank on yourself kind of concepts that we can use yep. to pay for college. And so, you know, all of our kids are six and under, so we really haven't talked about college yet, you know, and I have my viewpoints on it. My wife has her viewpoints on it. And, you know, so one of the things in the interviewing process was let's talk about college for your kids. Like, no, let's not. <laughs> I mean, there's no, we're, we don't need to plan on providing funds for our kids to go to college. And my wife's like, what? We both, she and I both have college degrees and they've, they've helped us out a lot, but it just seems like now that I've woken up to kind of that institutionalized system that I don't want our kids to get. So we made a compromise. I was like, look, if they want to go to college, they're going to go to have a good time and they're going to focus yeah, on a business a degree. Right. Yeah, that's I, I was I didn't say that, but I kind of think the same thing. Like I think a, a general business degree, something or finance or accounting, something that's transferable. I mean, yeah. lot, that's that's one. Even if if you're still in corporate America and you want to stay in corporate America, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have to continuously add value, right? And so, yeah, your your skill set or what you offer has to be in demand, or you'll make zero, like literally. And you should think about that when you're in corporate America too, like. What's, I mean, there's so many people, people that I know that lost like an IT job, for example, and the, the stuff they did in IT was specific to that one company 
it's just not transferable to somebody else. So yeah. how can you constantly be getting a skill set that's transferable to another company or doing your own thing? Like you need to, you need to stay relevant. Right. And so, yeah. um, but yeah, I think for my son, like at a minimum, like even though uh, my wife went to a fancy school, you know, we could pick, we could afford sending him wherever. What's a fancy school? I mean, she went to Georgetown. So, but you know, schools (laughs) like that are like, schools like that are like 60 or 70,000 a year now. It's crazy. At least, at least. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and I, and I did some Ivy league stuff like executive education and it's like, it looks good. I think the network there is probably more valuable than what you learn there. Like, Mm. you know, education wise, but uh, you know, there's really no reason why he couldn't go to a state school and just use that opportunity to learn more about, <laughs> I did too, yeah, yeah. learn more about yourself. And I think it's a big yeah. learning process of learning to be on your own, learning to be self-sufficient yeah. and yeah. Uh, stuff like that. So I'm not opposed to it at all, but we're not going to send them to an Ivy league school to F around, you know? Yeah. Yeah, get yeah. a degree in underwater basket weaving or something. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's life skills, right? That's, uh... <laughs> Hey guys, real quick, I want to take a break from the action with Mike and encourage you to go to w2capitalist.com forward slash quiz. Take the quiz. Let's get you in the mastermind ecosystem. There are currently 35 members in there and you know that range from all experience, right? And what I said in the intro, we have all experience levels. We had two people who just did their first deal last week and then we have other folks. We have two other part, uh, members who have partnered together and are under contract to close on on 194 unit multifamily property. And what I can tell you is this year in the W2 Capitalist Mastermind, there are three people who have exited the W2 world because of their real estate investing activities. And I can tell you, these this group of people is an incredible, incredible resource for me to grow, for me to get motivated and to get ideas from. And if you want to be around people like that every week, for a few hours every week, Go take the quiz. Let's see how you do. And then let's let's get you into that ecosystem. All right. W2capitalist.com forward slash quiz. Now let's get back to it with Mike. All right. So so let's get back to you. Uh, again, I warned you before we hit record that I chase <laughs> rabbits sometimes, and that's definitely one of them. But talk about transitioning from a job to scaling your business, right? And is this this is for the listener, this is more self-serving for me. But um, I want to, you know, not just well, where I was going to go with that is I want to know how I get those two awards on my back of my wall, but let's not go there. Let's talk about flipping, right? So, yeah. you know, you, I've never flipped the house before. Um, I, we've done some live-in flips that we've lived in for a few years. Like I consider the one we're in now is a live-in flip. And if my wife, if we could sell it tomorrow, my wife would. And I'm like, oh, man, I just, I love this house. I, I did the, I did the wrong thing as an investor is, is I fell in love with, you know, an asset. Um, which I do consider this an asset. If we sold it today, uh, it would generate us a lot of money. Um, but that aside, I have never flipped a house before. I work at W2. How do I, how do I find time to, to flip a house? What are some of the first things that I need to do? And flipping meaning like fix and flip, like rehab? Fix and flip. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the challenges that you have when you're small or when you're getting started is you don't have, you're not in, you're not important to contractors, let's say. Yeah. So once you become uh, where you have, you're a source of repeat business for other people, then you're important to them and they're obviously important to you. You can build those reciprocal relationships, right? But 
until then, it's just like you just have to lean on other people in your community, other recommendations of who to use for different things. Yeah. But the truth is, is the in the fix and flipping world, and we've re, we've we've rehabbed hundreds of properties. Um, that's the easy part. I mean, the, it's the easy part. I say that because I'm not doing the work. <laughs> I'm I'm outsourcing it. The harder part is finding deals. That's always yeah. the hardest part of this business is finding a good deal. And so, um, you know, in terms of people that maybe want to transition out of a job into being a full-time real estate investor, whatever that means for you, full-time could mean you do a deal a month or it could mean you do 10 deals a month. Right. But you start no matter where you're at, you start with one a month and you try to stair step your way up. Right. But it's, it's, you know, I guess everybody listening to this works for different kinds of companies, but if you work for a, for a large company, you know, that, you know, they have to find customers, right? They have to find leads basically that turn into sales. Everything is a funnel. So you talk to 20, 30 prospects and one, it turns into one, one deal maybe, or whatever yeah. that kind of conversion funnel is for you. Um, but you have to think, so when we actually, when we left our jobs and we got started in real estate investing, so very quickly we realized that we needed to, we needed to scale the business for one because we had to replace a decent income. Yeah. And uh, my wife and I were both, you know, we're both like relatively business savvy and, but had never like, you know, in a small business, you're doing everything. You're the CEO, yeah. you're scrubbing <laughs> toilets and chief bottle washer, yeah. light, bulb, light bulb replacer, like everything. Right. But we realized we needed uh, that this business really works by leads, generating leads, and turning some of those into deals. And so our first full year out of, uh, in this business, this is back in 2000. So we started in 2000, summer 2008, but let's say 2009, we, we flipped like 65 houses nice. in uh, Dallas. And that just took putting in, pra- we trying to, trying to create, trying to operate like we were a big business. So having systems and processes and uh, marketing and sales funnel that brought leads in consistently and so we kind of, you know, we're able to pull on our corporate background to know that that's how the business works. And we had a few people around us that kind of showed us the way of how to do that. Right. So, yeah. Um, and it's my biggest problem, right. Whether yeah. I'm finding um, investment properties or if I'm trying to grow the mastermind, um, you know, in the, in the, some of the courses I have, my biggest problem is finding those leads. Like I, I've realized in the last, three or four months. Now it's exploded in the last three or four months. But as we were talking before I hit the record button, my expectations are really, really high. And I've learned that I know nothing about marketing. Right. And I need to lean on other people to do that. Uh, Which I think is what you're leading up to is the investor machine, which is one of your products and services that you offer. Right. That's how the lead generation. So let's talk about that for a minute and and talk about, what it entails, who, who is the target audience for and how it's going to help them. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the way it evolved is uh, I've been coaching for like 11 years and I've coached, uh, helped a lot of people get started, but the single biggest problem always was consistent lead generation, getting leads into the business. And so it, it was such a problem that eventually we, we just said, well, let's solve that problem by creating a lead generation agency for people, help them generate leads where, they pay for it, but it's kind of a done for you service. And, and then I've coached long enough and I've done a tremendous amount of newbie coaching, um, which I actually stopped earlier this year, coincidentally, just right around the time COVID hit, um, which 
uh, for me, I, I've been coaching newbies for a long time, but I, I, I found that I get a lot more joy personally out of working with experienced investors. And so our mastermind is for professional investors. In fact, one of our, we have two groups. One, you have to be doing a minimum of 50 deals a year uh, to be a part of. And just the conversations that, that are at that level are, it's like, how do we figure out yeah. how to go from 50 or 60 miles an hour to 80, right? Yeah. Instead of how do we go from zero to 10? Yeah. And so, um, so everything I do now for the most part, even though Flipnerd has thousands of hours of free content, flipnerd.com and all of our podcasts and all that, my business is really centered around helping experienced real estate investors go from wherever they're at to the next level, double, triple their business versus get started. But yeah, yeah. the investor machine is our agency. Uh, it's not coaching. And we generally you know, require people to be actively doing at least a deal a month before they come in just because, you know, we want them to understand they, at that point, they understand the value exchange of if I advertise and spend money on lead generation, leads come in and I get a deal from that. So if I spend four or $5,000 in advertising and I make 20 or 30, like, okay, how, how yeah. often can I rinse and repeat that? Right. Yep. Yep. So that's what we do for other people. Awesome. Awesome. So the investor machine though is for people. I want to make sure I understand you correctly. Cause I was taking notes when you were talking. Uh, so sorry about that. Yeah. I, I hate to make you repeat yourself, but it is for people. Let's go back over that again. You, you've got to at least be doing a deal. A deal a month. We really like people that do a deal a month They buy gotcha. direct from ideally they do, they buy direct from seller. So they understand how to take those leads and go, run the acquisition side, which is talking to sellers, making offers and getting, you know, one out of one out of every 15 or 20 leads or something like that. And you're and talking specifically about wholesaling, flipping, what kind of, what kind of asset? Whatever. Are you talking yeah. About? Yeah. Our, our, our members, uh, we call them members that join our agency model. Let's say it's an agency. It's actually a community. Like everything we do is community based and we build, you know, relationships with people, but, um, is, uh, um, you know, their exit strategy, we're, we're agnostic to their exit strategies that could wholesale, fix and flip, keep them as rentals. Gotcha. Most people that are doing decent volume do all the above, right? Just yeah. depends on the opportunity, how much cash they have, how much time they have to do. Yeah. You know, Regardless of the acquisition, they have multiple exit strategies that they can right. pull from depending on right. what happens in the market or what happens between the time they acquire it to, yep. uh, you know, their partner, if they're working with partners, partner may have something come up and say, well, we can't do this a bird now. We've got a, we've got a wholesaler. We've got a, just flip it kind of thing. Yeah. So when you're, that's one of the things when you have, you know, for, for your listeners, when you have a, uh, an income, you, you know, when you, when, when you're a full-time real estate investor, you have to have, like, it's just like in your job, you may, you get paid and you spend money on your expenses and you may invest some in real estate or maybe put money in your, in your IRA or whatever, right? You have some level, some percentage of what you make is, is for, uh, saving and investing. And some of it is to cover your expenses. It's the same thing in your business. You, you generally can't afford to keep every house as a rental because you have like, I, I'm right now I'm in my office. So I have a rent payment on this. I have staff, I have utilities, I have, you know, lots of, I have business expenses, right? And that usually includes marketing too. So uh, I have business expenses to cover. So usually that's why even if people keep a lot of rentals, they usually wholesale or rehab and fix and flip and sell some because that's covering their overhead. So you yeah. maybe buy three, keep one, you know, yeah. buy two, keep one, buy five, keep two, whatever it might be. 
I've got, I've got one right now. It's our, it's our last single family property in our portfolio. Um, it was a tax deed auction. We've, we've had to wait a few years to get the title uh, cleared up. Uh, otherwise, cause I didn't want to spend a ton of money to clear it up. And, and now, so this month, uh, the title is going to be, I can file the process and the non-expensive way to get the title clear. And I want to sell it, even though we own it outright, it cash flows amazingly, you know, I mean, it, it probably, it produces somewhere around 400 bucks a month in, in cash flow since we own it outright. And I'm like, but I kind of want to sell it. I want to get, I want to get, cause I, there's, um, I, there are a couple different places where I can inject that cash that I think will allow us to scale this, uh, this business. And, and that's, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm there with you. Uh, I need to talk to the, the, the wife about it and see what she says. Um, <laughs> uh, my, my, my one, um, not one and only, but my, my, uh, best and brightest business partner and see what, uh, what really happened or what we should do. But you're right. There are different, depending on where you're at in, in, in your business or, you know, in your life and whatever chapters in, you may have a need to sell something real quick, or you may need to, you know, to have it, uh, to hold on to it. It's, it's just kind of depends. So having multiple exit strategies is, is key. Right. So, yep. Yep. Um, well, good. That, that's awesome, man. So that you can find that out, find out about that at the investor machine.com. Right. That's right. And I'll, uh, I'll make a link to that sh- in the show notes as well as, uh, flipnerd.com and investorfuel.com. which by the way, I, I know there's some guys in our local area here in Pensacola who, who have been to investor fuel. Um, where was your last event in person event? So our last, so, uh, where was it? Uh, Fort Worth. Yeah. And that was just a couple of weeks ago. So did you have one? Did, did you ever have one in California? Uh, San Diego. Yeah. La- okay. A year ago. Last year? Pretty much last August. Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm thinking of. There's some guys in my local Rio that I, I saw post some pictures from their stuff too. So I've been sitting here trying to connect the dots the entire time. When I saw it come up, I was like, why do I know that? And that's it. That's it. Yeah. They went to California to the event. That's awesome. That's awesome. Good stuff. Mike, thank you for being here. Enjoyed uh, chatting with you. I'll be respectful of your time. I know our, we our took up. I apologize to the listeners because I took about 20 minutes of Mike's time <laughs> before, we, good, before we started this interview, but hopefully more to come with him. Hopefully he'll be a return guest uh, for sure because uh, he is, you know, one of the things you were talking about earlier um, is, is whether you're doing one month a deal or when you become full-time, whatever that means. It could be doing one month a deal. It could be doing 10 months, till one month a deal, one deal yeah, a month, deal a month or 10 deals a month. Uh, it's regardless of whatever that is, it, that's what you want it for. Right. And, and I think the, the important piece there to pick up on is everybody's different. And just because you hear somebody who's, you know, closing $5,000, 5,000 doors in a year, doesn't mean that that has to be you. Right. And you got to figure that out what works for you. And, and, and uh, the, the good thing is there are plenty of different ways to, to, to figure that out. Right. So yeah, I think the uh, big thing is we talked a little about transitioning is making sure like sometimes I've known people that, you know, they make $80,000 a year in their job and they want to quit and go into real estate. I'm like, well, how much do you want to make in your first year? You know, what's your goal? I'm like half a million. <laughs> Honestly, it's, it's great to have a goal. But I love really, it. Yeah, yeah. The, your first goal should be offset your income, right? Because yeah. that is financial freedom. If you can offset your income and, and you got to keep this in mind, this is where a lot of people leave their job and, and don't put all the pieces together is that um, revenue is not profit, right? You have expenses yeah. to 
room too. So kind of, you know, just have to figure out what, what those numbers look like, but figure out, you know, how many deals you'd have to do a year to offset your income and cover your expenses and kind of be net, net neutral. Right. And so it's yeah. like for a lot of people that are in corporate America, it depends on your role, obviously, but it's not that many ultimately. So yeah. if you're, you know, it might be one a quarter for some folks, right? Yeah. If you're, if you're wholesaling and you make, and you make 10 or 20 grand on average on your deal, depends on what market you're in, obviously how big the margins typically are, but you can kind of back into like, okay, well, if I stay here, I make this, or if I leave, I need to be able to do, you know, one deal a month. Yeah. And, um, and then for a lot of people, just like your situation and my situation, you know, I, I, I had thought about real estate investing for a long time until I like when I was going to some RIA clubs and weekend workshops and events and stuff like that while I was in corporate America still just thinking about someday buying rentals, but I never had, I, I was, my back was never against a wall. Like mm. we were always too comfortable to yeah. like, well, yeah. maybe we'll get into <laughs> maybe next year or whatever. Right. And then yeah. when you get to a point to where you lose a job or you have health issues or you're yeah. God forbid, homeless or living in your car or something. And I know a bunch of people that had success stories and they truly hit bottom. Right. So the question is how do you recreate that pain so that if you want to transition out of corporate America, you do that without having to actually have that pain for real. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No pain, no change. It's one of the yeah. sales strategies we've, we've <laughs> learned about over the years or I've learned about over the years. And uh, you're right. What I got that call on uh, last week of April and uh, from a boss, totally unexpected. Right. Um, because our, my, the team that I was running was doing freaking amazing. I mean, we had, we had caps on our, um, uh, compensation and for the last six months we hit them, but me and half my team were let go. Yeah. And, um, um, anyway, long story short, I moped around the house for a couple of days thinking, why me? Why not some other poor asshole who's not, uh, contributing as much, but like you said, a lot of it was political, a lot of, a lot of it was political. And, uh, after those few days, I was like, all right, I, we've been talking about going full-time real estate and with a W2 capitalist and everything. And I was like, this is it. Cool we're, yeah. That's it. We, our back was against the wall and uh, I was like, all right, this best things ever happened to me. So, yeah, yeah. um, it, so Here's the thing. I was, I was trying to exit and you wrapped me back around with that statement. No, I, I, so I got one more, I got, well, I got a bunch of questions for you, but the one I want to answer or uh, ask you now is, so you transitioned from, from corporate America to this life, right? What's next for you? Like what's, what's the next transition if you've thought that far? I don't know. So we, we invest in, uh, we're doing some development deals, self storage, multifamily, like bigger deals for us, bigger, um, kind of commercial deals just to move yeah. faster. So, uh, I struggle with that. I, I, I'm at a point where, and I'm not saying this to brag, but I, I, you know, I have control. Like I don't have to work as hard as I do, but I don't really yeah. know how to not work hard. And so yeah. I, honestly, I, struggle, <laughs> I struggle with that a little bit. It's just kind of enjoying life without always having to like break something or build something new. Yeah. Um, and so it's good. Me, for me, honestly, it's really more of a, a life of impact now. Like how do I impact more people? and uh, help help them win right and so yeah. that's that's kind of it's hard to know exactly what that is but that's that's my mission is to help other people be successful kind of with real estate yeah awesome and another plug for you i'm just gonna say it you can find out more about that at flipnerd.com investorfuel.com or the investormachine.com before we get out of here i do have one more question for you 
because we're all, you know, everybody has their opinion and has their crystal ball about where the market's going. Cause it's been extremely hot for, it doesn't matter. You know, we're, we're talking about the U S market doesn't, uh, I know real estate is very specific to your local area, right. And where you invest, but as a whole, as a country, where do you think we're headed with all this COVID stuff and everything's going on politically and, and, and everything, where is the real estate market headed in the next six to 12 months? Man, I have no, here's the truth. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Like five, I remember five years ago about, putting on my economist hat and talking to some other friends of mine that are really smart. And we're like, in the next 12 months, the market's going to take a downturn. Of course that never happened. So yeah. <laughs> I really don't know, but here, here's what I do know is that the way that we buy houses, we buy from how people in distress situations, it could mm. be financial distress. I think COVID is, is feeding that monster for sure. We haven't sure. Like seen it yet, but it's coming. And then we buy from people in, in difficult life situations, death, divorce, inheritance, problem rentals, all those things. And those things don't stop, you know, when presidents yeah. change hands or when the economy changes or, you know, they just don't stop. Like that's just life. Right. And so yeah. uh, we deal with the type of thing that is going to persist forever. Right. And so if you buy right and you don't try to time the market and just try to add value that there's always an opportunity to do what we do. Awesome. Mike, thank you for being here today. I love that answer, by the way. Uh, <laughs> um, it feeds back into you just wanting to help other people out, right? Um, in whatever the situation may be. Um, so, but thank you for being here today. Thank you for the knowledge you dropped on us. I got several things I want to follow up with you on. So hopefully this will not be the last time you and I chat <laughs> uh, and uh, see how I can help you out, right? Awesome. All right, Mike. Thanks. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Take care. Such knowledge bombs dropped by Mr. Hambright. If you couldn't tell, I was a little nervous. The first 20 minutes of talking to him, I got to understand how big his organization is and how much he's been able to do and how he's not that much further down the road from me. So I got extremely nervous during the conversation. Uh, so yeah, that was, uh, there were some awkward moments there. So thanks for listening through that and getting through that with me. But as I talk about flipping a wholesaling, I can't get out of here today without talking to you about our number one affiliate dealcheck.io. If you want to receive 25% off the easiest investment property calculator out there, sign up for dealcheck.io when you do so, right? It's sign up. It's free to sign up. I've got a link, affiliate link at w2capitalist.com slash affiliate. So you can go to there. Or if you just go to dealcheck.io and sign up, make sure you enter the promo code W2CAP when you check out. You're going to get 25% off of whatever plan that you sign up for. They have multiple plans uh, for birds, rentals, flips, multifamily. It's absolutely free to try. And then you're going to pay as you want to start unlocking parts of the software. Um, you, some of you could use it absolutely free for your entire life. But as you start unlocking pieces of the software, you need to grow your business. Then they're going to ask you to start paying for it. What I use it for on the multifamily side, it's about five bucks a month, right? So go to, go to dealcheck.io or w2capitalist.com slash affiliates and look for dealcheck. But make sure you use the promo code W2CAP when you check out because it's going to get you 25% off, right? 